Thanks, Morna and Greg. And hello, everyone. My name's Lee. I'm one of the ministers here. It's great to be here this morning. Um, keep your Bibles open to those few chapters, Exodus 19 to 24. Um, and I'm going to pray before we begin. Um, Heavenly Father, um, it may feel like um, this is just another average encounter, um, another average sermon, um, and it might be that, um, but the fact is these are your words, um, and we're thankful that you speak to us. Um, you speak to us through our, our humble attempts, and so I pray that your spirit would be powerfully at work as we listen, um, including myself, um, that we challenge by what you reveal about yourself what you say about us, um, and what that challenges us to do in our life. Um, yeah, a bunch of us have come here maybe feeling really sad or or excited. Life might be good or not so good. Um, yeah, and I pray that your word would cut through and um, speak into each of our lives this morning. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, if you were here last week, uh, we had our annual Compassion Sunday. Um, and the service was led by the children, which was really exciting. Um, and what we tried to do in that service is we tried to imagine what it would be like to actually go and visit the children that we sponsor. Um, and so we did a bit of a, an interactive trip to Tanzania. Um, what would it be like to, to see those children who um, we see on our walls or our fridges? What would it be like to see them face to face? Well, I've had the privilege of meeting our sponsor children um, twice now, and it was definitely nerve-wracking. Um, as you get off the bus, um, it was awkward, we were both nervous, um, and with only a little shared language, it took a while to, to actually connect. But there's also something so special about in crossing that divide of culture um, and language and poverty, um, and something I'll never forget. But last week got me thinking about other encounters that we have, these highly anticipated encounters which might scare us or we might get nervous about. Um, so maybe the first time you met your parents-in-law, I don't know, was that a nerve-wracking experience? Were you scared? The first time Bryony met my dad, he was wearing only his Speedos. <laughs> it was very scary for everyone. Um, Maybe you've been talking to someone on an online dating app and you finally meet them face to face. You know, were, were they a sham or were they being legit? Were they who they really said they were? Or maybe you've met a famous person, someone you've kind of looked up to, you think is amazing, um, you always dreamed of meeting. Were they what you imagined them to be? Did you get to say much? Well, I met Alessandro Del Piero, which maybe not many of you know about, but um, he was a bit of a soccer hero of mine. Um, he won the Soccer World Cup with Italy in 2006, and I got a photo with him, um, but I was so awkward. I froze. You know, I look back at that moment, and I so wish I had spoken a bit of Italian with him, um, asked him about his World Cup glory, um, and just shared in some Italian rage over the fact that there's pineapple on pizza in Australia. But I froze. I said nothing. I just stood there. And it was awkward. Well, God's people, 
the Israelites are about to have an enc- the encounter of their lives. God has rescued them from harsh slavery, from seeing things like their babies being thrown in the Nile. And as he promised Moses, um, when Moses was first on Mount Sinai, at the burning bush, here they are meeting God and the whole of the mountain is burning. God said in chapter 19, verse 4, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. God himself has always been their destination. The Israelites didn't just need rescuing from the Egyptians. They needed God. God didn't just want to help this oppressed people. He wanted them for himself. The whole universe, the whole earth, everything is God's. But he wanted Israel to be his treasured possession. And God is our destination too. God is in the business of bringing people to himself. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and burdened. As we've got in our kind of pretty new All Saints vision statement, we want people to encounter Jesus. We don't just want people to agree with our morals. We don't want just people to join our community. We want people to have a relationship with the living God. And if you're a Christian, if you have a relationship with Jesus, he wants you to keep coming to him. We want to keep encountering Jesus. We don't just become Facebook friends with him, tick, wish him a happy birthday at Christmas, and then never give him much thought. No, he is in all our lives. And so the big question for us today is, how do we enter into the presence of God? Whether you know Jesus or not, how can we encounter Jesus and keep encountering Jesus? How does a relationship with the living God work? Well, from our passage this morning, we tremble confidently into God's presence. We tremble confidently. Firstly, we tremble. Um, It's clear throughout the passage that God wants to meet his people. He's brought them to himself But they can't just waltz into God's presence. They need a mediator. They need Moses, this go-between. They also need to, as you can see on the screen, consecrate themselves. They need to wash their clothes. And they need to abstain from having sex, which is a weirdly specific thing. Um, But I don't think it's saying that sex is bad. I think it's just saying that this is an intimate encounter with God that demands all their affection. In 24 verse 8, as the people continued to encounter God, Moses sprinkled them with the blood of young bulls. It's easy to skip over something like that, but imagine seeing animals sacrificed and slaughtered before you and then being covered in their blood, and that has to happen so that you can encounter God. But this isn't just on God's terms, because God is on some weird power trip. This is about their safety. Moses goes up and down the mountain seven times. This was not a meaning they could be just nonchalant about. 
They needed all the shallants they could get. <laughs> Moses had to put up barricades around the mountain, warning them that if they got too close to the presence of God that causes smoke and fire and thunder and lightning, they would perish. God would break out against them. It's actually a frightening image. They'd be like tissues to a bushfire. And not surprisingly, the people tremble. And we would too. Look at 20 verse 18 says, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance. And this is the reality of God. Sometimes he's not exactly as we want him to be. As people whose hearts, thoughts and lives are against God and have pushed him away, we can't just stroll back into relationship with him. My evil thoughts, words and actions have no place in the presence of God. The presence of God is a dangerous thing for sinners like you and me. The way we've treated such an awesome God means trembling is appropriate. In Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 it says, The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The smartest first thought we can have is, God is not to be messed with. We can't force our way into a relationship with God on our own terms. And if you're wondering, is this just Old Testament God? It's not. It's not just Old Testament God. The disciples trembled with fear as they witnessed Jesus calm the storm. And both Paul and John crumble as they encounter the presence of the living, risen Jesus. Um, in The Lion, The Witch in the Wardrobe, maybe it's a pretty famous quote for you. Um, as the beaver tells the kids about Aslan, who represents Jesus, he says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, says Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe but he's good. God isn't safe for people like you and me, but he's good. And so in chapter 20, verse 20, Moses, who had spent more time with God than anyone else, seeks to put the people's fear in the right place. He says, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. This strange thing is happening. A fear of God is keeping them at a distance, but Moses is saying it's actually to keep you from sinning, from being further from God. A right and healthy fear of God means we come as close to God as he allows us to. It keeps us from pushing him away. And pushes us towards him. So there's a conundrum. But that's why, secondly, we tremble confidently into God's presence. 
Um, we get more than enough hints in these chapters that although God is a consuming fire, he wants to be near his people and he will make it happen. In chapter 19, verse 5, God says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. God treasures these people that he is bound to himself. The fact that God desire is for us gives us confidence to approach him. And on top of that, we see Moses approach the thick darkness many times where God is present. Um, at the end of chapter 24, Moses and 73 others see God and share a meal with God and don't die. And right at the end of the chapter, um, in chapter 24, verse 18, Moses is in the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights. And so there's this impossible standard of obedience that we see in the law, which we haven't looked at, um, these sacrifices that are being made, there's Moses who needs to be the mediator, but even still, the resulting encounter with God for Moses and the others was very limited. It was amazing, but it wasn't permanent. And so this means that if human beings are to encounter God, and it's going to be without limits, then the obedience needs to be perfect, and the sacrifice and the mediator needs to be perfect, and it needs to be permanent. Enter Jesus, the one who perfectly obeyed, who was the perfect once-for-all sacrifice, and the perfect and permanent mediator, the bridge between us and God. And so the writer oops, of Hebrews says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, the very presence of God by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance. I said earlier that a right and healthy fear of God means we come as close to God as he allows us to. Well, in Jesus, we're allowed full access. We're allowed to come as close to God as we want. There are no limits. Our relationship with God is now safe. It's open to everyone if you put your trust in Jesus. It's the safest place that any human being can find themselves. Actually, because of Jesus' blood poured out on the cross... And how that wipes away all our sin, God actually comes to us through the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. That presence of God that caused lightning and fire and smoke and thunder rests in those who put their trust in Jesus. Isn't that incredible? How do we enter into a relationship with God? We tremble confidently. Now, honestly, I find getting this balance really hard. Having a healthy fear and awe in coming to God, as well as that childlike boldness to just run and throw myself into his arms. I find that difficult. I tend to either overly fear God coming into God's presence. Um, I fear that I've been too sinful 
that maybe Jesus' sacrifice isn't quite enough for my sin and my mistakes. I fear that his forgiveness and patience might run out. But then at other times, I do just nonchalantly enter into God's presence and take for granted things like praying to and hearing from the God of the universe. My prayers can become too casual and distracted. I can read the Bible like it's just some other opinion out there. When in reality, these are the words of the living God. Sometimes my only motivation for turning up to church is because I should. When actually, I should cherish this time as we encounter God together. What's your posture been like recently as you've come to God? Are you overly worried that you're getting it wrong? Are you trying to get it perfect? Trying to find the perfect formula? God is probably saying to you, just do it. Just come to me. My son has opened the door. He's died for you. It's wide open. Just come. Talk to me. Read my word. Sure, you might not understand everything it says. But I've got something to say to you. I want to speak to you. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're not like that. Maybe you need to remember that God isn't just one of the locals that you meet up at the shop. Hey, mate, how you going? And then walk past. God isn't one we can just ignore his phone calls when he's trying to speak to us. He can't be that friend that we never organize time to catch up with. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. But there's one more thing we should remember when coming into God's presence. God's presence is life-changing. The promise in 19 verses 5 to 6 is that if Israel trusts God, if they obey the terms on which they can approach him, keep his covenant, remain loyal to this relationship they have with God that they're entering into, then they will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, which, yes, is a whole lot of Christian jargon. But basically, kingdom of priests and a holy nation means Israel will be distinctly God's. They will stand out from the other nations. They will bear God's image to the other nations. And ultimately, as a nation, be priests, be bridging the gap between the nations and God. And the same is true of us today. When we encounter Jesus, when we treat him less like a Facebook-only friend, then we should expect to increasingly bear his image in this world and in our community. We will be like him. We will stand out from the world around us. We will be people who help all kinds of people encounter Jesus. Now, I know that for many of us, spending time with God, prayer, Bible reading, coming to church, being part of a small group, can feel so far from a mountaintop experience. Most of the time, it can be boring, uninspiring, confusing, let alone life-changing. And that's why I think this little verse is very helpful. Chapter 24, verse 11. 
These 70 plus people enter into God's presence. And yes, God is dazzling. But they simply share a meal with God. And when Jesus came, what did he do a lot of the time? He shared meals with people. The pinnacle of God's presence is the Son of God coming to earth. And it's less mountaintop, it's more tabletop. And I was thinking about this. Most of the time when we want to catch up with someone, it's actually better to connect with them over a meal, over a coffee or a beer. There's something special about sharing a meal and slowing down that helps us really connect. And often our time with God is so hurried. But when you sit down for a meal with someone, it takes the hurry out of it. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in a hurry, I'm a terrible listener. So maybe when we spend time with God, we, we should do it over a meal. Breakfast, when you break for lunch or have dinner with your friends or family. Take your Bible and your journal to a cafe. Slow it down because our lives are so hurried. Now, maybe you're sitting there and thinking, actually, those meal times are very hurried. Maybe it's not for you. But where in your day are you and do you feel less hurried, less distracted by what's happening next? If you struggle with this, you're not alone. This is definitely an area... I struggle with more often than not. Um, So maybe when you're chatting after the service today, talk to the person that you're chatting with about how they find it, what they do, what helps them in this hurried life that we live. Partly, we need to be okay with the ho-humness of our encounters with Jesus and yet fight for quality, unhurried meal time with Jesus and expect that this unhurried time with Jesus will be life-changing. Often the changes will be slow and, I don't know, unnoticeable sometimes, but God promises this. This is a promise of God, that the more we encounter him, as we tremble confidently into his presence, we will become like him. And if we want to be people who stand out and help others encounter Jesus, then we need to be encountering Jesus ourselves. So fight for it. Don't give up coming to God. He wants you. He came for you. Get to know the God who knows you. Take hold of the God who loves you, who allows you unlimited access into his glorious presence. Let me pray. Um, Almighty and holy God and heavenly Father, we thank you that you have come near to us, that you have made a way for people like us to have a relationship with you with no limits. We praise you for that and we pray that you would help us to lean into that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.